Welcome to Game of Books with Kathy in South Dakota. That's me. And Christy in South Florida. That's me. We're two newbie writers sharing our take on wine, food, and mystery books. And the authors who write them. Join us for the fun. Hi, Kathy and all you mysterious foodies out there. I'm curious to see how things are up in South Dakota and to have a real conversation that doesn't involve the words sit or stay. (laughs) But first, I want to dive into this bottle of wine you picked out. So you want to fill everybody in on what it is? I would be very excited to do that. We are enjoying a Zinfandel, and it is from the Seven Deadly Zins. Mm. (laughs) So let's take a taste, and I'll (laughs) I'll fill you in. I know. I'm so curious about that name. It's a great name, isn't it? It's got a great label on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really curious. And I'm wondering if it really means anything, because, you know, I'm like, okay, Seven deadly sins you know they have they, they, that means something but are there seven zinfandels in here or? <laughs> um so here's the history of the wine it says um this wickedly delicious zin is temptation at first sip and that's not just our pride talking blame it on the catholic school upbringing of brothers michael and david or their lust <laughs> for hedonistically seductive wines <laughs> Oh, good. Yeah, and so then they said um, that they've given their souls to growing the finest grapes so the saints and sinners alike can enjoy the seven deadly sins. So I thought that was oh, really funny. Oh, that's, that is clever. That's it clever is. And... Yeah. So it was it came from um, uh, brothers, Michael and David, who had created this um, label in the early 2000s, I believe. And um, I did find out recently that um, a large wine group, literally called the Wine Group, um, mm-hmm. uh, bought the brand. And in the information about them buying this brand, it said that this is the number one Zinfandel in America since 2015. Oh, you're kidding me. No. I, wow. I was really surprised. I mean, I've seen it before. I've actually had it before. Um, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't think it was the number one Zinfandel. Um, so I thought that was really, really interesting. So take a sip, and I'm going to read to you what the, you know, the, the body okay. is, is like. So it says, this wine is full-bodied and silky, mm-hmm. bringing lots of jammy fruit flavors, mm-hmm. generous vanilla, and black pepper. Ooh, yes. I be- Can you get yes. that? Yes, absolutely. It, even if you hmm. hadn't said it, and you said... What is that last lingering on the back of your tongue? And I would say, that's like pepper. (laughs) So there is a little pepper to it, I think. Yeah. it's spice. I thought that was really interesting. So, um, yeah, it's got a little zing to it. So it's supposed to be very light. I do like it. Yeah, with a nice smooth finish. So I thought that was really interesting. And I haven't drank many Zinfandels, so I'm... I'm enjoying this, though. I really like, I like a Zinfandel. I like this one um, in particular. Um, You and I had a hard Mm -hmm. time coming up with our, with a a Zinfandel this week that would meet our criteria, because of course our criteria is that we have to have a bottle of wine that we can find in South Florida for you and South Dakota for me. It has to be under 20 Mm -hmm. bucks. And so I had sent Mm -hmm. you a few options. None were available. And I couldn't find them anywhere. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, I I would think down here we would have a large selection, like I've been bragging about, but 
for some, we yeah. did have a lot of Zinfandels, but we didn't have the two you chose, which both of which seemed very, you know, maybe universal almost. One of them yeah. was, um, you know, a brand that we have other varieties of, but we didn't mm-hmm. have the Zinfandel. So, well, as it turns out, and I'll explain later, it was actually the mm-hmm. perfect Zinfandel choice for my book today. So I'm particularly okay. thrilled. <laughs> That we ended up on the seven deadly zins, I think. And it's such a clever okay. title. And um, apparently the most... And it has to go with mystery books. I mean, come on. Oh, I know. It's just it's 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 just ready-made for it. So um, anyway, hope you're enjoying it. And let's take another drink. Yes, I but am. I okay. really, really want to get to what's new on your end. <laughs> <laughs> well, if everybody didn't get the clue from having to say sit and stay a bunch, I just <laughs> adopted a rescue dog. Yay! Yay! Her name is Layla, and um, she was found actually in the Everglades living in a tire. Oh. Um, yeah, and she, they found her, and then a week later she had babies, so they didn't realize she she was a mama. Hmm. And um, so now they, she's been, now that her babies are big enough to be separated, she um, is ready for adoption, but she's only a a little over a year old. So she's still kind of puppy active on my end. (laughs) And needless to say, not real trained. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she, you had sent me a photo of her and I, I was anticipating a little smaller dog. She's a, she's not the smallest (laughs) little one year old. (laughs) I know. Well, she, listen, if case anybody from the condos are listening, she is definitely under 40 pounds. For she's sure. She's 27 pounds. <laughs> and yeah, she's, she's kind of tall and skinny because she's part Irish wolfhound. Oh. She's part terrier, part Irish wolfhound. And you know, Irish wolfhounds are like the largest dogs. Yeah. I think in the huge. world. <laughs> yeah. They're really tall. Yeah. At least that's what they think she is. I mean, how do they know? I don't know. I didn't ask that. They did tell me that the age was determined by the condition of her teeth. Mm. You know, she said, does yes, look like she has Irish wolf town in her face, I think. I mean, yes, I, she does. I mean, I, we as a family used to love studying different kinds of dogs. And from what I recall, um, that's what mm-hmm. they look like. I mean, so I, I can see that. You know, we did right. a, um, we have also adopted uh two different rescue dogs and a slew of other animals. Mm-hmm. But um, we <laughs> we went so far as doing a DNA test on our dogs to see what they were. Oh, all... you're kidding. No, I'm not. <laughs> to see well, what... you know, I yeah. mean, I, I don't... <sighs> I don't know. Do, I mean, well, is it like through Ancestry.com or what? Because <laughs> I, I can find some of the them name. are not as, as good as others. I don't know how they tell, but I can I can get the name for you. Um, my vet uh, turned us on to this particular company, and I can't remember what it is, but I'll look. But it, oh my gosh, do you really remember how much it cost? Maybe seventy five bucks, something like that. Mm, okay, about the cost of adopting a dog, I would imagine. <laughs> But it was no. Actually, adopting a dog is a little bit more than that. Down was here. it? I don't recall. Yeah, my mine mine was around two hundred, um, and that was not a, that's not a high priced adoption. And you know, but everything goes to helping take care of the 
rescue dogs and, you know, cause it's all nonprofit and everybody who works there is volunteer and stuff. So yeah, it goes for a good reason and they make sure that the dogs are spayed or neutered and have their shots and are healthy and everything. So, so do you, so but, I'm curious yeah. in Florida, cause in South Dakota here, at mm-hmm. least in my community, we um, use a humane society, kind of a nonprofit, just general humane society in, in Brookings. What kind of agency mm-hmm. do you go through down there? Well, there's many. Um, of course, there's the Humane Society, and um, there's a service called PetFinder.com okay. that mm-hmm. you can see all the dogs that are up for adoption within a certain range, you know, 50 miles, 100 miles, or whatever, and they have little pictures, most of them, and a description, but they can be from any different rescue group. This was This rescue group was called... Everglades Angels. Mm. And um, so they're mostly, you know, finding dogs that have been left in the Everglades because believe it or not, that's what people do. And those are like our woods down here, you know. So how far are Um, you from Everglades? I'm sorry, I don't know my geography. um, Not far at all. Like, um, well, you know, from the National Park, it's, it's a little bit of a drive, but the actual Everglades themselves go from almost the center of our, the middle of the, our panhandle all mm-hmm. the way down to the coast, the Southern coast and, um, all in the center. So I would say probably I could be in the Everglades in 10 miles. Oh, wow. Yeah. I could be in, I mean, I used to take kids on field trips right at the edge of the Everglades mm-hmm. and that was probably to where that park is that we would take the airboats out of is about, I would say 10 miles max from, from where I am. And that's yeah, where directly little, west. Yeah. That's where little Layla was, huh? Yes, she was. And, and how um, did you come up with a name? That's a very sweet name. You know, we were looking at different names, but I got to tell you, you know, I'm the rock star of my own domain. Okay. <laughs> and I read your blog today. Yes. Yes. And Eric Clapton is a rock star. And Layla, the song by Eric Clapton, is probably one of the best rock songs of all time. So when my son was looking through the lists of names, and we were kind of going a little bit for the Irish aspect because of um, the Irish wolfhound, but then all of a sudden he came up with, he said Layla, and she kind of looked, and we said, I like that. <laughs> oh, that's so very sweet. That's, yeah, yeah. So now I can play like Eric Clapton for her and she, <laughs> she <laughs> Sometimes I sing it, but that's not a good thing. <laughs> Any good dog owner should do that. Play music for him. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that's how she got her name and um so far she well, likes it, I think. Congratulations to both and we're having you. fun, but she doesn't know all. She doesn't know a lot of tricks, so we're, we're working on that. So I'll keep you posted on how. Well, how I'm that sure goes. you'll do better than we did. We we are not the most impressive of dog trainers in our house. That's for sure. Well, you have a house, so that's nice. But I have a condo, so I have to be a little bit stricter, I think, because I can't just open the door. Yeah, and say, that's Go true. <laughs> that's true. So I have to kind of get her trained enough that she can she can have fun, but. Anyway, so I guess that that's probably enough dog talk for us because um, I need another sip of wine and I'm dying to hear about your mystery book. Okay, I am really excited to share this one with you. 
Um, I chose a <laughs> a book with wine in the title, but it's not Zinfandel. The book is by the author is Nancy J. Para, P A R R A, and her book is called A Wine Country Mystery. And this is the first in the series, and the title is A Case of Syrah, Syrah. Oh my God. <laughs> So I'm guessing this is a cozy mystery. This is a cozy okay. mystery. Now, this, and I had seen the title. This isn't the ghost one that you yeah. mentioned that we might be hearing about. No. Oh, I thought I was. I think we'll. <laughs> I thought I was already going to know no. what you're doing. You surprised me. No, I wanted to surprise you. No, we're going to do the ghost one next week. I'm very excited about that. Okay. So Nancy, Nancy J. Para is, she writes under several other names which i am i'm very impressed with these writers that have multiple series and multiple names i mean i just think that would be so i'm very impressed by that kind of output do now do they have different names because um they want to you know i don't know i i I didn't find anything she does write some romances Mm -hmm. but she does that under the same name nancy j para okay um so she has, and then she also has her um, wine country mystery. Uh-huh. And then she has, um, she writes under Nell Hampton for another series. Okay. And she writes under Nancy Coco for another <laughs> series. So she really is very prolific. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I think, she's I think wine country sounds books. really good. I mean, it's a good destination series. <laughs> it is. And that was actually one of the reasons I chose it. I just thought, I want to read about. Um, Sonoma County yeah. and so um, so before we get into that I want to quickly tell you about mm-hmm. it her main character is Taylor O'Brien and she's living on her aunt's um, winery she lives like in the guest house okay and she has she's kind of starting anew and she's created a new career for herself and she's going to do uh, wine tours off it's called off the beaten path wine tours through wine country so it really does do they does a great job i know i was like i kind of want that job Mm -hmm. like i would actually start over and do that (laughs) job and so she's busy getting her new company up and running and she has a booked tour the very first one and of course the woman who booked it who was a kind of a a kind of pain in the ass persnickety (laughs) you're gonna love this yoga teacher (laughs) and i was about to say you could go to sonoma and be a yoga teacher (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not yet. <laughs> and not now. Not after this book, right? No, because that poor yoga teacher ended up with a corkscrew in her neck and, of course, <gasps> dies. So, <gasps> yeah. Isn't that a great tool, though, to kill someone? <laughs> oh, my god! I thought gosh. that was awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. I know. That is awesome. Yeah. So, it is it is a really fun read. I, I have to say I really enjoyed it. I loved reading about Sonoma County, and mm-hmm. she did a great job describing the wineries in the in the kind of historical area mm-hmm. and I just thoroughly enjoyed um, reading about that area so my okay. question to you is mm-hmm. have you ever been to wine country in California yes I have I have I've you been there have. I've been there a couple times I went one time when I was very young um, just out of college and traveling the country by car and I spent a few months going around the country that's when I hit South Dakota for the first time too and um <laughs> yeah my car broke down there just saying but um but yeah oh, I, no. 
I had a, I had a good time in the wine country then, you know, and then I went back. I went another time with my mother, and that time we 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 got caught in the San Francisco earthquake. Okay, so oh my goodness, quite the events happen when I travel, I guess, and um, or at least with my <laughs> mother, uh, we can go into that another time, but. <laughs> There's always a mishap, but the last time I went with my dad... That sounds ripe for a book, Yeah, I know, I know, right? Um, I went with my dad and my aunt and my uncle. Well, actually, it was just my dad that got up to the wine country, and and we did stay in Sonoma, and it was really nice. Yeah, we did. We went and hiked at, uh, like, Sonoma National Park, or there was a park there. And we did a little hike, and then we, of course, had to stop at all the vineyards on the way back. <laughs> That's the fun part. But yeah, yeah. Have you? Have you been there? So I have not. I have oh, not. See and I, that we have obviously. To <laughs> I know. I'm yeah. I know. I'm thinking podcasts from Napa or Sonoma would be pretty fun. Yeah. Well, the uh, the other thing that I really that really stands out from that last trip that I went is there was an outdoor restaurant. Well, you know, it was like indoor, outdoor, probably, I don't know, but the, it was in a walled-in area, but there were tons of plants. They had all these hanging plants. And, you know, it's very um, dry out there compared to, like, Florida, where we're, we have the humidity. So even though it was warm, it kind of felt wonderful. And then they would have, as it got darker, the l- lights. So you were like... I don't know. It was just a perfect place to have really good food. And it was like one of those foodie restaurants. So it had such Mm. good food. And, and I, I often wanted to replicate that atmosphere, but it's a little humid here for that. (laughs) That, that is what I envision. I mean, that's exactly what I envision in, um, in Sonoma or Napa, you know, that's kind of what I would hope I would have the experience of. So so the reason I chose the Zinfandel instead of Syrah, which mm-hmm. is the title of the book, right. um, is that's what that's what um, the main character's aunt produces. She produces a Zinfandel on her own um, small vineyard. Okay. And so it, they, they talk about um, Zinfandel quite a bit in the book. And the food scene that really got me interested mm-hmm. was um, when she t- took her first tour out before the incident with the corkscrew, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she had planned for them to have a picnic. Mm-hmm. And so here's what they were, in, That's what, this is what they had for their picnic. She said, we got out a long checkered tablecloth, spread it across two picnic tables. I set out platters of cold cuts, raw veggies, apples, grapes, and melon. Mm-hmm. Everything was organic, non-GMO, and gluten-free, per <laughs> the yoga teacher's request. <laughs> we had rice crackers, a variety of cheeses, lettuce to make wraps, and a loaf of gluten-free bread. There was something for everybody, including vegan butter and tofu. And, and that kind of ruined the picnic for me. I, I was like, no, no, no. Like, no wonder she got corkscrewed. <laughs> I mean, really, they're right? like, that sounds funny. <laughs> yeah, it just cracked me up because it was very, very, very healthy. And I just spent the weekend with a bunch of yoga teachers mm-hmm. last weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, most of them were eating... Um, not nearly as healthy as this uh, list of things <laughs> were. So interesting. <laughs> okay, so you're the truth comes out. That sounds like another novel. The truth too. comes yeah. out. Yeah, that was kind of great. Yoga retreat so, truths. 
Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you, it was eye-opening in many ways. Okay, so here's my favorite part of this. Okay. The, the, the case of Sarah Sarah, like I said, is a wine country mystery number one, and mm-hmm. that came out last year. Mm-hmm. And she just um, published her second one in the series, and guess what the name is? Seven Deadly Zins. No way! <laughs> I swear to God. Oh my gosh. I swear to you. Oh, that's so That's funny. the name of the title that's of her perfect. second book. Oh my gosh. Up. I know. Wow. I know. I thought, I wonder if she knows about the wine and the wine knows about her book because they need to get oh, together. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Isn't that great? Yeah. 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 So cool. I I suggest Nancy J. Parra's Wine Country Mystery. And I suggest that you and I need to book a trip there. Yes. And uh, I'm sure they have writing conferences from... out there too. <laughs> I'm sure. The Is left, anybody gets left any coast uh, conference or something, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so anyway, good. that's that's mine. So I'm curious to know what you have this week for us. Okay, well, mine is called Death at Breakfast, oh. and it's by Beth Gutchen. <laughs> have you heard of it? No, but I love the title. I know, and I was and I was looking on the shelves, and I'm like, wow, you know, and the cover, it looks really cool, too. It reminds me of, um, I can't remember the name of the author, but I used to read mysteries when I was in high school in addition to Stephen King and that genre Mm -hmm. I would I would read some of the ones where you know they just um they were all some could be somewhat historical or whatever but they're set in you know really neat environments and stuff and so that's what the cover looks like you can see but it's because it takes place in Maine at an inn Mm. so Mm -hmm. you know it has that kind of feel to it and it's all dark but yeah, Beth Gutchen is a great author. She's written 12 novels, um, I think now, and this is like a first in the series of a, a new series, maybe, because the two main characters are going to go on and um, be in another mystery. But this is along the lines of just a straight up whodunit mystery. You know, okay. like, like from Clue or something. Yeah. You know, and so it was real fun because the main characters. Oh, well, let me real quick just say one more thing about Beth Gutchen before I start going into the book. Um, she's written screenplays and oh. one of her novels, um, Still Missing, was the basis for a feature film back in 1983 called Without a Trace. So it's not the series, but it's an actual feature film. I think it had like Stockard Channing was in it and stuff. Anyway, I thought that was really interesting. So she's she's making it professionally as a writer, completely full-time <laughs> storyteller. I know, which is unheard of, but we love it. And she lives in New York. So anyway. That's um, great. Okay, so the two characters are Maggie and Hope, and they decide that they're going to travel together because Maggie is a retired school teacher and a widow, and she had planned on traveling when she retired with her husband. And Hope is newly divorced, and so they're going to see. They're going to test it out, whether they can travel together. And so they pick, Hope picks this um, cooking school retreat type thing at this inn in Maine. That sounds fun. Yeah, it sounds sounds like a lot of fun. And um, 
So anyway, and Hope's son is actually the the one of the detectives in that town. So we kind of meet him too. But um, and he's Buster Babin, and and th- there was a description that I thought really kind of summarized um, the book. It said, "What could be better? Intrigue, murder, a New England inn." food, celebrities, and an endearing local cop that Agatha Christie would envy. So Aww. Yeah, and so her That's son... A great... Yeah. Yeah, it is a great description. That was yeah, by Eleanor is. Lippman. Wow. She's an author um, also. I've read a few of her books. Oh, okay, so perfect. So, yeah, so... Yeah. So, anyway, um, you know, I, I found it... I found all the characters very well written, you know, they, you gotta get a real good idea of their, their, their quirks and all that kind of stuff. And, and you get to see, but the thing that I thought was kind of fascinating was that they were ahead of time telling each other, we're planning this trip just to see if we can travel together. (laughs) That's pretty honest, isn't it? Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, should people like like she was planning on traveling with her husband i mean i don't know do you like to, you do you like do you think you're gonna travel when you retire with clayton yeah very much so are you guys traveler type people you like to travel we do like to travel we do like to travel the the trick is that we uh own, owning our own business you can't really just clock out you know and you don't there's no vacation right. time where you still get paid when you own your own business. And so mm-hmm. at some point, I hope we will find it easier and less stressful to travel. But mm-hmm. I really enjoy traveling with him. We, we travel well together. Yeah. So I'm wondering if maybe people should, like, before they even get married, they should travel together just to see. Because <laughs> so many people want to do it when they retire. Yeah. You and know, what if they don't get along, you know? <laughs> it's interesting you say that because I... I think travel is one of those experiences that brings out your real personality, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it can be at some point during every trip, there's stress. I mean, traveling is right. Uh, it's, it's a intense experience sometimes. And I certainly know of couples who don't travel well together or who have different travel <laughs> goals. You know, how some people really like to mm-hmm. be adventurous and, and just go, go, go. And some people really like to just be, right? And if you don't right. match up, that's a, that's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like the idea of suggesting travel to couples um, because it really does teach you a lot about each other. You know, it's one thing to see each other in your natural mm-hmm. environment, but I think when you step out, it's, it's, a, it's a different mm-hmm. experience for sure. Yeah. And everybody handles stress differently. That's for sure. And as we you know, know... I'm like, you know... Hit- being the the nasty American in Europe, where you're like yelling at the waiter and stuff. Oh jeez, that just pains me to even hear about yeah. that. <laughs> it just pains me. It can happen. Yes. You never know. Yes, for sure. Anyway, yeah. So, um, as I said, you know, the, this book does have a lot of food, and I think it's so fun that they went on a cooking class. Mm-hmm. You know, I have done a cooking class like a destination cooking class before oh you have yeah I went with a group of um, my mom's friends actually and it was like I was recently divorced and I was like I'm gonna travel and so we went and it was a lot of fun but it was cooking and painting and sightseeing 
Oh. Yeah, and it was at a villa in Italy. Oh. So it was I'm, it was lovely. That sounds absolutely awesome. I love that. Yes. So, and it was until until my mom broke her foot. I'm just telling you oh. there's a mishap in every oh trip. My gosh. I know, I know. She's fine now. But yeah, that was a damper on things. But the, it was a kind of a different, you know, wasn't, it was more like a group of people that knew each other got together and one of them was a painter and one was a, a cooking teacher and a good cook. And she was the Italian lady that had the villa. So she said, let's do this. And so the cooking classes were more just kind of fun. We kind of watched and took notes and maybe helped a little. Whereas this one, they actually, everything is to do with food. Mm. Um, in one scene, they go to an apple orchard and then they come back and they cook dinner using those apples. Oh, really? Like a like a pork kind of a thing or what? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you. And I got to tell you, if I got to think that Beth Gutchen, she would be a mysterious foodie if she listened to oh. our podcast because this menu is like such a foodie and, she, and of course she's a mystery writer. So, <laughs> um, but we have black bean soup with ginger and apples. Mm. And so like one part of the class would make that. And then the other part would be making apple confit with caramelized onion threads, which was the bed for the chops from a locally raised pork. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then kohlrabi salad and curried sweet potato oven fries. So no apples there, but that's okay. We got to have something. And then the dessert was a classic apple pie with homemade cinnamon ice cream. That sounds delicious. I know. My mouth is well. Right <laughs> and I don't even like apple pie. <laughs> I actually have a, I actually have a pork loin in my fridge that I was going to I was going to make oh, man. this week. And now my stomach's growling in addition to my mouth watering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, I just thought it was really fun. Mm -hmm. and so have you ever done the cooking class destination? I or have otherwise? not. And it is so on my list. It really is. Oh. And I want it to be well, in Italy. <laughs> we're going to do that then too. <laughs> this is going to become a travel podcast. <laughs> I think so. I want to do a cooking class in Sonoma and I want to do a cooking class in Italy. That should be our theme for today. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to have cooking classes? We can do a writer's retreat slash cooking class. Oh, that sounds fun. Probably better write before we cook and eat and drink. Yeah. <laughs> and then we can tell each other, we can read each other's stories you know, af after dinner. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? After the wine. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That sounds great. Yep. Sign me up. Anyway, so it was a very good book. Well, yeah. that sounds so great. I love that. That's I'm going to add that one to my pile for sure, okay, actually. Great. So now it's, it's our, it's our time for a segue to our new favorite section, the writer's yes. perspective. Speaking yeah. of writing. Oh, wait, but before we start, we need to take another sip of wine since one of our listeners, we've got Raquel mm. in Miami, who suggested we need to drink more during our episodes. <laughs> I'm not sure if she means that we get sillier or she just wants us to keep up with her as she's drinking with us. But regardless, we're going to have a sip and then we're going to go on to the writer's perspective. Well, that works for me. I wouldn't want to disappoint any of our <laughs> listeners. And Raquel, here's to you. Cheers. I'm having another drink. All right. So Christy, you get to choose our writerly discussion this week since it was my week for wine. So what's it going to be? What are we talking well, about? Well, I'd like to discuss pacing in a book. So um, we know it's important oh. in a mystery to keep the clues coming at a regular basis to keep the reader engaged. 
Um, you know, like if we want a faster, if a faster pace, we might have an action scene or rapid dialogue or cliffhangers. But then in between, the pace may slow down a bit. But really what I'm wondering, because... You know, I always get feedback one way or the other about pacing is, do you think it's a subjective thing or there might be a perfect formula for pacing? Hmm. Well, I I don't know if there's a perfect formula. I certainly don't know it if there Mm -hmm. is. But right away when you said this to me, it made me think about that quote from, well, I think it's Elmore Leonard. Mm -hmm. Because I think I've heard Stephen King and a few other writers quote it, that he used to say that he would try to leave out the parts that people are going to skip. And, you know, if you are pacing well, Mm -hmm. your writer is not going to want to skip anything, right? right? I mean, and so um, I think that the pacing depends, obviously, on your genre, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. I mean, I'm writing a thriller right now. Mm -hmm. I just got done reading a cozy. Mm -hmm. And certainly, I think... You know, when you provide a lot of details, it slows the pace down. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a real, that's a good way to slow things down, providing a lot of details. Mm-hmm. And cozies certainly have a lot of details and description, mm-hmm. you know, of the environment and all that stuff. Where a thriller, I don't, I think has a faster pace overall. Right. Certainly there are those periods, right, where it's going to slow mm-hmm. down. I actually was just um, revising my chapter today where it was kind of the, dark night of the soul if you will or my main characters you know just feels like all is lost and that's a much slower pace for Mm -hmm. me for my character than the other action scenes right so yeah i don't know what do you think about in your in gator moon how did you use pacing well i mean i always thought that i mean i wanted to make sure that i was always moving the story forward and sort of at a regular interval. So like each chapter or scene had a little bit of something that's going to either make you want to read further or make you think, ooh, yeah, or or something like that. But at the same time, I think a little bit, when I think subjective, I think, well, somebody might not like the kind of clues where you're not in danger the whole time or you know because there's Mm. different Mm -hmm. I mean yeah there's there's I think people sometimes and I think maybe even younger generations might think differently than older now because we're used to media and things coming faster so we want information we want something to happen that's bigger than just finding a clue you know and so I often wonder if it just sometimes depends on the reader. Some people are like, oh my gosh, yeah, I want to know what's going to happen. And then somebody else might be like, oh, well, they weren't, you know, shooting anybody. So I skipped over that part, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's probably the main rule, right? That you, that whatever pacing you use, it has to serve your story, Mm -hmm. right? And therefore serve serve your reader. Right. Because readers come to each genre right mm-hmm. with their own expectations and mm-hmm. so i think your pacing has to match that right I, um and then also i think that i think there's also big errors that people make like they might just say okay i'm gonna throw out you know the first 10 chapters i'm gonna give all these different clues and then for the next 10 chapters it's just gonna be like uh, 
I'll just move it, you know, I don't have anything to say because I've already gotten all the clues, but I got to get more words in. And so that's where the pacing kind of gets off kilter, I think, too. Yeah. Um, and that may, reminds me of that Elmore Leonard quote, because people might want to, if they're reading yeah. a fast-paced thing, they're probably going to skip over that. Yeah. And so then that's a problem. That's yeah. the time to kill your darlings, as it were, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Anyway, so I just thought that was interesting. interesting. Yeah, I, you know, it is really interesting. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I wonder, especially when you are so, you know, you're, 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 you're just head down in your writing. Um, I wonder if it's something that I can even mm-hmm. catch at this point, you know, or if I need a, a beta reader or someone else to look at it objectively because, you know, when you're. Right. And that's why I say, you know, maybe you need, you need several people because everybody's going to have a little bit of a different you know, yeah. preference on how they like things to lay out, you know, but as long as you're not, as long as you're not doing it all at once and then doing nothing, you know, that would be good or just, you know, slow the whole time, I guess, <laughs> especially for a thriller. You're like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm watching Then we've got a problem. <laughs> yes. Then we'd say we have a pacing problem. Right. Well, that was fun. What a great topic, yeah. Christy. I'm excited to do that again next week. And now we have two more books to add to our shelf. Okay. And let's remind everybody yes, what they do. were. Mine is, uh, <laughs> I was going to say it's The Seven Deadly Zins. <laughs> I was moving ahead to her second one already. Yeah, I know. But Nancy Para, and it was um, Sarah Sarah, her first one in the wine, uh, wine mystery series. And mine is Death at Breakfast by Beth Gutchen. Love the t- title of the, yes. both of those actually. So, what about the wine though? You got to tell them what do you think of it? Because I'm I'm enjoying mine over here. Yeah, the I sound think it's editor's good. nodding a little bit too. I think he, he likes even it. likes it, and he's not a red wine drinker. He's not. <laughs> oh, and what was your price point down in Florida? Oh gosh, Do you remember? Why can't I remember? I think it was, I think it was around thirteen. Does that sound right? Well, yes, because mine was twelve. <laughs> Always okay. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was looking at a bunch of different zins at the same time, mm-hmm. and so I can't remember which one I, you know, this one was exactly, but I think it was around thirteen. Yeah. So seven deadly zins. So, yeah. It's good. It's a good one to add to your, to your wine yes. uh, shelf, <laughs> wine rack. Mm-hmm. Very peppery. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's all for this episode of Game of Books, where we share food, wine, and mystery. If you like listening, then be sure to subscribe to us, and we can get your food, wine, and mystery tips every Friday morning, just in time for the weekend. Yes, and talk to us on Twitter or Facebook at GOB Writers. We'd love to hear what you have to say, especially if it's telling us to drink more wine, like the comment we got earlier this week. (laughs) Um, Or we'd love to hear about how you pace your novel. That'd be great if you wanted to add some comments on that. So this is Kathy and Christy saying thanks for listening. Bye Bye, everybody. everybody.